welcome to Future Out Loud from the School for the Future of Innovation in Society at Arizona State University. I'm Heather Ross. Together with Andrew Maynard, we bring you conversations with experts on and off campus where we think out loud about our collective future. In today's episode, Andrew and I finally had the chance to sit down with our colleague Nadia Bliss. Nadia is a professor in computer science here at ASU. We call that school SIDSI, uh, Information and Decision Systems Engineering. Um, Nadia is also and more so, the director of the Global Security Initiative, which is a security defense intelligence research center here at ASU. Nadia is incredible. She's a computer scientist. She's a graph theorist. She had spent her career at MIT's Lincoln Laboratories doing security work before she came to ASU a few years ago. And in full disclosure, Closure, Nadia w- has been generous enough to involve me in the Global Security Initiative, and I have an appointment as a research scientist there, and I work on issues related to health security with her. So we have been trying to schedule Nadia to be on the podcast really since the beginning, and so, so delighted that she was able to join us today. I will mention that we had several call-outs to our colleague Jamie Winterton. As you know, if you've heard this podcast before, we love having Jamie on the podcast. So we like to, you know, keep the Jamie ship alive uh, when she can't be here with us. We really enjoyed talking to Nadia today about research that is focused on security applications. And we talk about what does that mean? What are the very many ways that we can think about security, both in sort of traditional Department of Defense and intelligence agency ways, but also outside of those more traditional uh, agencies and funding mechanisms. And we talk a little bit about the strident language that we use in security work. And it was just a really nice conversation. So we're so excited to have Nadia with us. And we're excited to have her back for a future podcast as well. Before we begin, thank you for listening to Future Out Loud. You can subscribe to the Future Out Loud podcast if you haven't already. You can do that on iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud or Google Play. We'd be really happy to have you uh, be part of our regular listening audience. And we'd also be really happy if you wanted to leave us a rating or a review, or if you wanted to reach out to us on Twitter or on Facebook, where we're at Future Out Loud, let us know what you think. Please tell your friends and your colleagues and people that you just met on the street about Future Out Loud so that they can also hear what we're talking about and they can also let us know what else they'd like to hear. As always, thank you for listening. On with Nadia Bliss. Hi, Nadia. Hi, 
Hi, Heather. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Heather. We finally have Nadia here. I'm so I excited. <laughs> I am really excited to be here. Though I'm definitely a little nervous. Don't be nervous. Yes. It's little. <laughs> all good. It's okay. all good. Um, I mean, none of us is Jamie Winterton. We cannot pull that oh. off, but we'll do our best so to true. be here. Yeah, I like to I like to call out to Jamie every time she's not in this room recording a podcast. Okay. So done. Check. So, Nadia, we were going to talk about what you've spent your whole career doing, um, research for security applications. And this is, I think that when people think about security, they think, ah, black ops, ah, darknet, ah, I could never do such a thing. I don't have, you know, Whatever, yes. Whatever, whatever. So what does that mean? And so, okay, two small questions. A, what does that mean? And B... Um, why is it important that people think about security when they're doing their research? Okay, so those are like an hour long questions. Each, yes, I know. But I yeah. will. <laughs> uh, yeah. Twenty minutes ago. I, I will. I will try to kind of unravel them one at a time. So, what does it mean, and why is security important? Um, so first of all, um, and I unfortunately, see you told me to put away my computer, so I unfortunately don't have the exact numbers uh, with me, but I don't know um, how, it, whether people realize how much of what we sort of consider, you know, innovation in our life mm -hmm. is actually funded by the Department of Defense. Right. Sure. So the Department of Defense um, funds, you know, tens of billions of dollars of research. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the most famous example, obviously, is the internet mm -hmm. uh, that came from the ARPANET. Um, and, you know, but there are other examples like GPS. Sure. And, you so know, your, your friend Siri, um, I think, actually came out of a yes. program. Uh, we may wake her up. We'll see. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. So I think what it means, um, so a lot of the times when I think people think of research, they think about, you know, what would I think is interesting to work on. Uh -huh. Whereas when you're working for a mission like security, you focus much more on the problem mm -hmm. as opposed to yourself right. And, right. and your own kind of interests and curiosity. So you're driven by that desire to solve a very complicated problem. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, and maybe it is a little bit naive to say this, but in terms of, you know, why is it important? Mm -hmm. I think this notion of security, and I tend to think about security rather broadly. Mm -hmm. um, so you guys know I, I run the Global Security Initiative at ASU, and we think about security as this state of feeling secure, uh -huh. and also the type of things that make you feel secure. That really touches on everything in our lives. Mm -hmm. So I think... Um, you know, if you're doing research to address those security challenges, whether it's health security or cybersecurity mm -hmm. or security of our nation's infrastructure, it's incredibly meaningful. Um, and I personally like seeing the outputs of my work mm -hmm. in action. So, yeah. so this is something that I think probably isn't obvious to a lot of people. I think when most people hear about security, they think about um, nefarious acts, military, um, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and, but I find that this idea of really broadening out our concept of security very fascinating. Um, and it actually resonates very closely with what I do with risk, thinking about in, uh, risk sure. and innovation differently. Um, but it makes perfect sense when you say it that you, you 
you think about all the things that are important to us, the, the food we eat, yep. the, the lives we live, the, the whole infrastructure we live in, everything mm. from the stores we, we buy stuff from to everything. Yes. If any of that is threatened or taken away, That's we right. have a problem. Right. Well, and I think, I, I mean, again, um, some may consider this somewhat naive, though, having spent a career in this space, I feel like I, um, I deserve some credibility in saying this. But our, you know, our Department of Defense is just that. It's Department of Defense. Right, mm-hmm. right. right. So a lot of the research um, that is funded by the Department of Defense is actually focused on preventing the need for kinetic operations, mm-hmm. for military operations. Right. right. You know, that doesn't mean... I, and I have to say, so I, I love the jargon whenever you speak with somebody that, that sort of works with the, the DOD. Okay. So kinetic operations right. is, yes. is a lovely one. Like, yeah, more fighters one. is another one. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. So while most certainly there is R&D invested in, in military systems, um, even those are often in... You know, anticipating things, right. anticipating mm-hmm. things, so you don't have to engage, and there isn't loss of human life, whether it is uh, the loss of the warfighter or civilian mm-hmm. life. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, you know, all of those are incredibly important to protect. Yes, yes, yeah. So, but it's even more than loss of life. It's any threat, and we've talked about this from a health security perspective, is that I also view security very broadly, and any threat to one's health or a population's health beyond, you know, infectious diseases, Mm -hmm. Ebola, Zika, but I'm thinking that diabetes is a huge threat to health security, right? Um, So, healthy eating, exercising, things like this. These are security initiatives as far as I'm concerned. So, so in your mind, I, how much then do you deal with the intersection between all of these areas? Because, and you mentioned diabetes, mm-hmm. it's not only an impact on people that have got a non-communicable disease like that, but it affects their, their families, their local communities, the economy, mm-hmm. our ability as a society to do things. So Absolutely. it seems to spread out and have tentacles everywhere. Absolutely, sure. and there is, you know, there's sort of a difference between thinking about, you know, what specifically does the Department of Defense mm-hmm. engage in from yes. a research perspective right. versus what is security? Because certainly mm-hmm. I would consider, you know, there's many foundations that fund security initiatives. Yes. You know, Skull Global Threats is of an example of yep. one. Um, there's certainly private entities mm-hmm. that are interested, particularly in areas like health and mm-hmm. um, and cybersecurity. I also think um, there's this notion um, in anything you're doing when you're working in the security space of resilience. Yes. Mm-hmm. And this this notion of you know combating or responding to something like emergence of diabetes, mm-hmm. it's very much about resilience. Yes. Um, and you know resilience can be something that you're wearing and it's a suit for a warfighter where that allows them to go for a longer time mm-hmm. in difficult conditions or it could be resilience of a population right, right. Um, yes. that essentially ensures that there is you know high level of quality of life mm-hmm. and as a result likely less conflict right right mm-hmm. yes yes so when People think about, oh, I'm going to, you know, craft my research plan or my research agenda for the next five, ten years, whatever. I mean, what are, is there an easy way for people to, to say, this? oh, how can I conceive of this in a security way? So, I, 
I, I feel a little bad bringing this up because I know I know Jamie Winterton certainly loves uh, talking about these. <laughs> um, and this is our second Jamie Winterton mention. Yes, yes. <laughs> we'll be keeping three. track, yes. Um, so I do very much like the Heilmeier Catechisms. Yes. Um, so uh, for those folks that are not familiar, George Heilmeier uh, was a director of DARPA, uh, one of the Defense Advanced Research Project Agency. Um, that's the agency that funds a lot of DOD research, particularly very high-risk research. Mm -hmm. And he identified this set, um, this set of questions mm -hmm. that anytime you're working on something, you should answer. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, um, I think those questions are awesome, <laughs> regardless <laughs> of whether you're trying to do research or like get out the door in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, and the questions are basically, they seem very simple, but you know, the two that I really, really like are, um, what are you trying to do? Mm -hmm. No jargon. I mean, mm -hmm. that's, that's a really important aspect of it. Yeah. Really not like, you know, I am trying to build an approximation algorithm to NP complete problem. And I'm a computer scientist. So I have to just say things like this because I think those things are super cool. Right. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but very simple. So, you know, I want to be able to look at very large data sets in a quick amount of time, yep. right? Uh -huh. so, um, so what are you trying to do without jargon? And the other one that I think is really important to, uh, to answer is, you know, if you're successful, who cares? Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, certainly from the DOD perspective, there's many places where there is reference information on uh, the type of things that the Department of Defense cares about. Um, a good one I like to use is the Quadrennial Defense Review uh -huh. that is sort of an open Department of Defense strategy. But even if you're not working with the Department of Defense, I think those are phenomenal questions to answer. And this kind of dives into um, sort of that broader topic. I am 100% a believer that the type of research that's funded by NSF that is more curiosity-based is incredibly important. Mm -hmm. But I also think there's this very large space that is incredibly exciting mm -hmm. where you actually have to answer that question right. up front. What are you trying to do? And what are you trying to do is not like, you know, spectral graph theory is awesome because it is. <laughs> I just want to work in spectral graph theory. You know, what are you trying to do is trying to solve something, whether, you know, yeah. reduce the incidence of diabetes yeah. uh, in, in populations. Yeah. And I, I think what always strikes me is when you work in this space of having very clear drivers for your research, going back to that question of sort of essentially who cares, why right. is this important, mm -hmm. yes. it still enables you to do very deep, sometimes very basic research. Absolutely. It, it's not an oh, either or. Wait, yes. so this is yes. like, this <laughs> yeah. is one of my sort of... Um, I guess I, I guess I would call it a soapbox. This is a podcast. You're allowed you to can't really soapboxing. see yes, me. It's okay, it's virtual soapbox. Yes, Nadia has just stepped onto the virtual soapbox. <laughs> that's, that's right. So you know, there's this perception that if your research is addressing a mission need, it is necessarily not basic. Right. That's mm -hmm. bonkers. Yep. Yeah. Tons of things I have personally worked on have been incredibly basic. Whether it's mm -hmm. novel instructions and architectures or something that's you know 
um, you know, algorithms for large data sets, it's just you're driven by a desire to solve a problem right, right. and not purely the technical curiosity of the area. Yes. So yes, that, that's a it's a great observation. I will step off the soapbox. Uh, <laughs> that presently. soapbox, you know what? That soapbox should be present at all times, though. Yes. If you be. ask me. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I mean, not to. We're all here at ASU, and not not to be overly, um, you know, yay ASU, but yay ASU. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, this notion that this sort of research of societal impact is in the core of our charter mm -hmm. is something that certainly makes me really excited to be here yeah right and and I will again I'll you know please don't throw tomatoes at me I am completely a believer that there's lots of place for curiosity based research it's just not what I have chosen to sure. focus on so I I would even add to that so again getting back to that question of sort of does this have any impact does anybody care about this you could be doing really esoteric basic research mm -hmm. um, and your answer might be I'm not sure at the moment but sure. just asking yourself that question yeah. helps you think about what the, the what the responsibility is that you have to okay. serve society in some way with the research that you're doing so it's not totally self-indulgent yeah absolutely I mean I think it actually is something you know that question um, I mean for me it's certainly something that Often will keep me going right. mm -hmm. through, um, you know, a bump or like not a bump, but like a Himalayan mountains or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, because I I, I think um, so. I've always wanted to do research precisely because it's impactful. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And we're sort of you know Heather's. We started talking here. Uh, we were talking about research for security, mm -hmm. and I really believe in that and both, yes. right? Research and, and a mission, mm -hmm. yes. right, yes. together. Um, so yeah, so absolutely, I think I think those questions um, help uh, keep people focused and really allow people to make progress on something that they can say, like, look, this is, I, I've contributed to something incredibly mm -hmm. meaningful. Yes, yeah. yeah. So I have a follow-up question on mm -hmm. that, actually. And, Quite a personal question to you. So you you work in the security area. You do research on security issues. Do you ever get frustrated that people don't see security research as being as sexy as, as other areas? And I, I ask. Well, wait. What yeah. areas are more sexy than security research? I was partially setting you up for that. But, but, I, but, but, but my motivation is. So it's I, like James Bond. That's right. exactly no. who I was okay, just thinking so, of. So, so, so now, now that I'm going to give you the context, you're going to make me feel even worse. Because, okay, because I struggle with this in risk. So, okay. so I do work in risk, which is incredibly important. touches every aspect of our lives. But you say risk and people roll their eyes. They don't want to talk about risk. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering whether it's the same with security. But clearly not because security is sexy because you've got the whole sort of genre Secret agent it. man. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, and I do, I, I will say that um, I've always been a fan of James Bond movies. <laughs> mm -hmm, me too. Um, so that's that sort of... the whole uh, box set all the way through. Yes, mm -hmm. right, right. I mean, they're probably unrealistic, but I, I will say... But you know those agencies like DARPA and IARPA actually are kind of like cues. Oh yeah, right, I mean, right. you know. Sure. So, um, so sometimes I feel like people don't appreciate that. Um, so look, there are certainly uh, groups of people that will stay away from security research because they have a particular perception right. of what it is, mm -hmm. and that's okay. Right. Right. 
but I think for those folks that don't have that conviction, it really makes sense for them to learn what is really out there. Yes. I mean, yes. and it could be something as simple as just like, you know, Google and yeah. I, IARPA yeah. and right. see what yeah. comes up. Uh -huh. And IARPA is the sort of DARPA equivalent for the intelligence community. Right. Um, you know, and, and see what comes up. And, mm -hmm. you know, I was just reading the news. They're doing stuff on quantum computing. Right. How cool is that, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's incredibly exciting yeah. and so many challenges. So, you know, my tendency is to be like, look, there's always going to be a group of people that are not going to want to engage, and yep. that's okay. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be a group of people that are going to be super excited about it, and that's great. But there's usually a whole group in the middle right. that is, quite frankly, is unsure. And sometimes if you just show them, and again, this maybe is my experience, but I have found that the best teams and the best results are driven by the desire to make impact. Mm -hmm. right. It's not, you know, it, it's not fame or fortune or we were just having making this conversation, mm -hmm. right? It's making a tangible difference, right. you know? I mean, if you can say, uh, if you can say that what you've done has made, you know, the electrical grid in the country more secure, or mm -hmm. you know, you've reduced an incidence of a disease that kills hundreds of thousands of people, it is or, pretty cool. You know, yes. I mean, it's yeah. it's really cool. really cool. Yeah. And, and actually, I would say more than cool. It actually sort of gives you sort of some sort of meaning. That's right. Sort of, yeah. Yeah. That's right. And that's why yeah. I mean, sort of ultimately, I kind of see again. It's, it's my opinion. I feel like, I don't know why I keep saying it's my opinion, because obviously it's my opinion. But I think a lot of us get into research because that's what we want right, to do, right? right? And yeah. when you're sitting there and something is really, really challenging, it's that longer term that... Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so the other side of security research, which I find fascinating, um, is the ethical side. Mm -hmm. um, and I... So from my perspective, it, it seems like there are certain things that we could or people could be doing in the security space. Mm -hmm. um, and if all the people that said, I just, I'm not comfortable with this, weren't there, right. there will be no checks and balances or very few checks and balances in mm -hmm. terms of what we actually do. I, so I agree with that 100%. So I yeah. used to actually, when I was back at MIT Lincoln Laboratory, um, so I'm a Cornell alumna mm -hmm. and I would often go back to Cornell mm -hmm. um, to recruit people to mm -hmm. come work at Lincoln Laboratory and mm -hmm. you'd often get this question. Right. You know, it's sort of like, I am concerned with the military and I'm like, well, if you're concerned, then you should actually be involved yeah. right, in right. the research, right? Because right. I think, I, I mean, I, I, I think it's incredibly important for diversity of perspectives to be present mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in general. Right, but certainly yeah. in the space right. um, where uh, where you know there is um, sort of um, defense-related systems involved, yeah. and yes. it, I mean, and you actually bring up another point, and I'll just touch base on it very briefly. I think one of the things that's particularly exciting about what we're doing here mm -hmm. is we are actually bringing a lot more of that humanist and social science perspective yeah. um, into the security research. And you can think of it, it's just cultural, um, that there hasn't been as much of it um, before. But there's also other reasons. I mean, the Department of Defense, if we focus on that department, tends to be very technocentric. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, there, when, you know, when you're working in a technocentric space, so it's technology, engineering, computer science, et cetera, um, there's often not too much engagement from mm -hmm. the humanist and the social scientists. Right. And I think increasingly we're starting to appreciate 
that certainly in computer science there's a huge space for ethics-based research. And I think that actually carries very nicely to security-based research. Mm -hmm. And I think the the department is understanding that as well, so there is Mm -hmm. is much more interest in funding that kind of work. Right, yes. Well, DARPA has their social science initiative that Mm -hmm. has come about just in the last year, yeah? Yes. So that's a huge big deal. It's granted, you should, it's you should ask Jamie Winterton about that. Yes, yes. she has yes. things to say. <laughs> yes. Things to say. Um, <laughs> yes. It's very quantitative right yes. now, which yes. often doesn't lend itself to the way that we think about ethics, but right. you can see how the paths are being absolutely. forged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And there's also, I mean, when you consult those documents, um, sort of open strategic documents of the mm-hmm. department, there's increasing appreciation of the complexity of the challenges right. that we face. Um, and that's something that, I mean, that's the other thing that I would say that I've always appreciated about working, you know, first uh, in a DOD lab and then just in security more generally, people that engage in that work tend to be pragmatists, mm-hmm. right? They want to solve problems. Right. Yeah. So they won't engage in, you know, sometimes kind of silly debates. Right. right? right. Because they're like, look, we have real problems. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So we're going to work on those real problems. Which so is not to say that there's no role for that sort of future sort of imagination, right? right like, right. There, that, there's a role, there's a place for that. Right. And I think that's a helpful tool. But should yes. we spend all of our time on that? Maybe well, I, so so I, I can imagine yeah. there aren't too many people in the DOD who are sort of worrying with great angst about the trolley problem with um, the trolley problem where you've got an autonomous vehicle and you've oh. got to work out oh, yeah. whether the vehicle is going to sort of um, kill a group of people here or, oh, okay. um, or a single person there. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. I, <laughs> I will, though, say they, they do think a lot about risk. Right, yes. Sure. There is yes. of course. a massive amount of conversation about risk. So we need to, at the risk of making um, your assistant very angry by keeping you too late, <laughs> um, we need to wrap up in a couple of minutes. But I do want to ask you, for people who, for whatever reason, yeah. can't work with, gov- or with defense mm-hmm. or intelligence agencies because of other constraints on where they can get their funding, et cetera, how can they still engage in security work? Um, well, first of all, um, I see no reason why they can't have their application be security, whether it's mm-hmm. NSF-funded research or other uh, department-funded research. I mean, certainly there's lots of people that worry about you know, emergence of diseases mm-hmm. or protection of uh, computer systems or protection of infrastructure. Uh, the other thing that I would say is, I mean, this is very much a concern of private industry mm-hmm. and the foundation space as well. So, and really a lot of it is about application framing, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I mean, I said that a little bit earlier and I'll, I'll mention this again and I'll again preface this with this is my opinion, but I think the focus of a lot of this work is to kind of work towards fewer bad things happening. Mm-hmm. That's and just, shouldn't that be the focus of everybody's work at all times? I think so. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> I, I would agree with that. So I think, you know, if you care about fewer bad things happening, then engage in security-related research. All right. Well. Good, good place to end. Yeah, let's end there. But please come back. Yes. I, I would absolutely love to. Super. Thank okay. you. Thanks. Thanks. For more where that came from, including our undergraduate and graduate programs, check out the School for the Future of Innovation in Society at sfis.asu.edu. 
Future Out Loud is produced with the support of the School for the Future of Innovation in Society and the Risk Innovation Lab at Arizona State University. Mark Van Hare created our music. Ana Lopez is our production assistant. Please subscribe to Future Out Loud on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please tell your friends and let us know what you think on Facebook and Twitter at Future Out Loud.